Live from Lemert Park, USA, I'm Tavis Smiley, and you're listening to KBLA Talk 1580. So glad to see you and me uh, back in stride again. Our phone number, 1-800-920-1580, 1-800-920-1580. All of our socials can be found at KBLA 1580. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, everything at KBLA 1580. Let me also invite you right now to download our app at KBLA 1580. Listen to us live anywhere in the world. Uh, tomorrow, today, Miles, today was the last day of Dominique in Af- South Africa? Was it tomorrow? Tomorrow, one more day. Uh, tomorrow is Dominique uh, Deprima's last day in South Africa. You've been listening to First Things First um, for two weeks now. She's been broadcasting live from uh, South Africa. Uh, tomorrow, the last day of uh, her broadcast from the motherland. Uh, and every day, they've been listening to this station. I'm told all the folk in South Africa have been turned on now. To KBLA Talk 1580, I can see it in our in our numbers, in the data. The data doesn't lie. And so just like they listen uh, in South Africa uh, on the KBLA app, you can listen anywhere in this country live in real time by downloading our app at KBLA 1580 right now. Um, should you miss us any day in real time, check out the podcast of our program by going to the app, the website, Anchor, Spotify, Apple, so many places to get the podcast of this program and listen at your leisure should you miss us any day in real time. But I am delighted to have you along live with us today for the next three hours. You can also watch the live stream of this program by tapping on the KBLA TV icon on our app or by going to our YouTube channel. And let me invite you finally to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Real Tavis Smiley and get Twitter updates at Tavis Smiley. Another great show on tap for you today in our second hour. As expected, the U.S. Supreme Court Uh, on a 63 decision, has curtailed race-conscious college admissions nationwide. So, now what? We'll talk about it in Hour 2 with an all-star panel that includes Judge Ladoris Cordell and our own doctors Tyrone Howard and Nee Quartelai Corte. In moments like these, it's nice to have a stable of brilliant black minds right here at KBLA Talk 1580 that we can tap into and we will... uh, We'll tap into their minds and talk about what happens now that this U.S. Supreme Court, once again, as expected this morning, the ruling just dropped, uh, has ended in this country. Affirmative action as we know it. In our third hour, two conversations up first. Water is not an infinite resource. So how do we conserve what we have left for future survival? We'll talk about it with Ashley Williams of Save Our Water. And on the B side of our three Why black Gen Zers are driving their bosses nuts (laughs) and how supervisors can minimize the impact of their behavior and save their sanity will be joined by Howard Professor Dr. Yannick Rice Lamb uh, on the B side of our three. But in this first hour today, two conversations close to home on the backside of this hour, MTA CEO Stephanie Wiggins on what Metro is up to around the Los Angeles region. But we commence today's program with a tribute to the man who made history 50 years ago this week, July 1, 1973, as the first black mayor of the city of Los Angeles, my former boss, Tom Bradley. Uh, Later in this half hour, we'll be joined by former L.A. Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa. But let's begin our tribute to Tom Bradley right now by welcoming welcoming Rafe Sonnenschein back to this program. Uh, Rafe is now the executive director of the John Randolph Haynes and Dora Haynes Foundation. Uh, you know his work uh, for many years now at the Pat Brown Institute for Public Affairs. Please welcome Rafe Sonnenschein back to this program. Rafe, how are you today, sir? 
Oh, it's great to be with you, Tavis. It's good to hear your voice. Great to have you on. Glad we've got these 30 minutes here. We'll be joined, as I said earlier, later in this hour by former Mayor uh, Villaraigosa for his thoughts in tribute, I suspect, to, to Tom Bradley. But let me start with this. Um, He was elected mayor, as I said, uh, July 1, 1973. He had lost four years earlier uh, to Sam Yorty. He comes back uh, four years later and pulls this thing off. Um, tell me, Rafe, how his election changed the trajectory of racial politics in this city and, frankly, across the nation. It was it was an epic, epic victory because people had given up on the notion of interracial coalitions as a way to bring about justice and fairness, especially because of the bitter experience in the East Coast where it was so difficult to build any kind of cross-racial coalitions. Then you had a city like L.A. that people weren't even paying attention to in politics, and Tom Bradley really brought the word coalition back into American politics where it had been missing since the really the end of the civil rights movement. I think it's not appreciated enough that while he never said it himself, he never was much of a self-promoter in this. He even affected political science in my field where people began to write about coalitions. Uh, and I really think his ability to cross racial lines, principally between the African-American and Jewish community, but also with the AAPI and Latino community, set the pattern for an L.A. that was more progressive and is more progressive today than it was 50 years ago. As you know very well, Tom Bradley was taking on a pretty conservative city mm -hmm. and a pretty conservative establishment. You and I were kids at that time, <laughs> you know, growing up around the Tom Bradley world. It was a tough, it was a heavy lift. Yeah, yeah. Very heavy lift. What 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 does the research your research tell us about what happened between sixty nine and seventy three that allowed him to go from losing to winning? Now, if he'd pulled this off in sixty nine, that's a big deal. Let me let me frame this for the audience, and you know this stuff better than I do because you teach it all the time and research it. But there'd only been a handful of African American mayors uh, who were having any sort of success uh, around the time yes. around the time that Tom Bradley wins in seventy three. You get Coleman Young in Detroit. Prior to Coleman Young in Detroit, you get the first one. Carl Stokes in Cleveland, but black mayors weren't the thing then that they are now. In fact, the, the top four cities, the largest four cities in this nation right now are all headed by African-American mayors, <clears throat> New York, L.A., yep. Chicago, Houston. Uh, black mayors now are, are, are pretty, <laughs> pretty we're, we're used to that at this point. Uh, but if Tom Bradley pulled this off in 69, it would have been historic. But what happened between 69 and 73 that allowed him once again, Rafe, to go from losing to winning? It's such a story of, of stereotypes versus reality. Sam Yorty, the conservative right-wing mayor who was very close to the LAPD, and, and they were a big part of his leadership, created an image around Tom Bradley that a lot of people did to black candidates in those days. They said that he was a harsh, angry, radical, supported by white radicals. So basically he took a basically very strong, growing black movement for empowerment in L.A. and turned it into something scary and made Tom Bradley scary. Well, Tom Bradley was a person who went everywhere, as you remember very well, Tavis. He, he was comfortable everywhere that mm -hmm. he went, and he was around the city. And the more people got to know him and understand his life experience, his life at UCLA, his life in the, as an LAPD officer, as a city council member, he became a person, not a stereotype. Mm. And Yorty, the second time around, had no chance against the person. His best chance was to defeat an image people had about black politics at the time. And it was a staggering example of persistence in the face of resistance. 
and in the face of stereotyping. So I think, in a nutshell, people got to know Tom Bradley, and and he stayed mayor for an unprecedented five terms, 20 years, and you see monuments to him everywhere in the city anytime you fly overseas. You know and you remember that he was a superstar in the Far East when he traveled. Oh, yes. Because they practically thought he was the president of the United States because <laughs> it was the most attention they had received. And he would walk the streets and people would be kind of mobbing him everywhere he went. So, And you think how far that is from having been somebody with a distinguished career who'd been turned into a caricature in order to win an election in 69. Yeah. And then you think, as we'll talk about when we move forward, um, what his, um, his election did for opening up uh, the door for progressive possibilities in this city. There is no Antonio Villaraigosa without Tom Bradley um, as the Latino mayor. There is no Karen Bass uh, today without uh, Tom Bradley. Um, a lot more to talk about in this half hour. Again, later in this half hour, we'll be joined by former mayor Antonio Villaraigosa, along with our our friend and brother uh, Rafe Sonnenshine, as we offer tribute to the first black mayor of this city who on July 1, 1973, made history uh, upon his inauguration as the leader of the City of Angels. In our second hour, as I said earlier, we'll be talking about affirmative action. It's It's a funky day. It's a funky day in America, so who better uh, to uh, call up as our artist in residence today as we continue to celebrate June as Black Music Month than the godfather of soul, James Brown, on KBLA Talk 1580. June is Black Music Month, and we've been celebrating every day this month uh, the music of um, African Americans, uh, iconic African Americans on the soundtrack of our lives. Uh, and uh, just a couple of days left in this month, but uh, every day we have chosen a, a particular artist and shared the best of their stuff all three hours of our program today since it is a uh, funky day uh, in america we'll talk about affirmative action uh, or the end of affirmative action in our second hour today james brown is our artist in residence today uh miles just walked in to correct me on something he he, he made a mistake i'm gonna put it on him because i asked him <laughs> uh today was dominique's last show from south africa she's actually traveling tomorrow tomorrow's a travel day um, so tomorrow she will not be live on her program. Uh, Jill Monroe, who now is hosting RSVP with Jill Monroe weeknights, 9 p.m. to midnight, will be sitting in for Dominique tomorrow morning as Dominique makes her way, uh, hopefully and prayerfully, safely with all those persons traveling with her back home to Los Angeles. And speaking of Los Angeles, we're talking about the first black mayor of this city 50 years ago. Tom Bradley was inaugurated on July 1, 1973 to lead this city as its chief executive officer. Uh, Rafe Sonnenshine is our guest. Rafe, one of the things that's always um, amazed me, and I know I know this well as you do because I was in the mayor's office there, um, that to your point, Tom Bradley uh, historically uh, was the mayor of this city for 20 consecutive years. That will never happen again because now the rules have changed. You can only serve two terms, but he served five terms, four years, 20 years, almost became governor. We'll get to that in a second here. But every year he ran for mayor, to your point about coalition building, the data indicate that every four years, the numbers of black residents in the city proper was decreasing. People were moving out because of gangs or because they couldn't afford a home or whatever. But the numbers of black voters was decreasing every one of those uh, times when he ran for reelection. And yet Tom Bradley kept getting reelected. What do you make of that? It's a great point, Tavis, because people don't realize the population was 18% African-American when Tom Bradley was elected, mm -hmm. and it's closer to 8% now. And Tom Bradley's strength in numerous communities. But, of course, he always had that strong base in the black community that stuck by him, even though there were some shakiness in mm -hmm. that support in the late 80s, early 90s. But it always came around when it was 
really time to pull together. Mm -hmm. But he had very strong support in other communities while still maintaining his base of support in the black community. And this is not a hugely organized political city, and it's usually not a very high voting community. And the black community, while losing population, was still voting at a very high level. And that continues to today. So I think that the voting power of the community really managed to hold things together. But, you know, it's always a dicey proposition when yeah. the population declines. Nope, no question about it. Uh, let me add to this conversation now, bring in the, home, the former mayor of this city as promised, Antonio Villaragosa. I said earlier in this conversation that there is no Antonio Villaragosa, there is no Karen Bass, if there is no Tom Bradley, the first black mayor of this city 50 years ago this week. But you ain't got to hear it from me. Antonio will tell you that himself. <laughs> mayor Villaragosa, welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580, sir. Boy, you hit it right on the head. I was about to tell you, I say that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I know that. I understand that. Um, when I got elected um, in 2005, I talked about the fact that I stand on the shoulders of Tom Bradley and Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta. There was a civil rights movement uh, that uh, in many ways was ignited, and not just by King and all of the folks, uh, primarily in the South, but across the country, but pe but the election of, of Tom Bradley, uh, without question, had an effect on um, building the multiracial coalitions that uh, delivered uh, me and, and Karen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what 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 do you make of uh, the lessons we have learned or not learned, uh, as it were, uh, Mayor Viragosa, from his coalition building? On the one hand, I can point to you. I can point to Mayor Bass uh, as evidence that the coalition that he uh, brought together still works. On the other hand, there are any number any number of other data points I could point to that suggest that um, that uh, establishing. Uh, and advancing a multiracial democracy is not easy in this country, not even in Los Angeles necessarily. You're exactly right. I mean, look, uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's not a linear line that it just goes forward. It sometimes uh, takes uh, a few steps back. We mm -hmm. saw that last year with the, the conversation, uh, the despicable conversation that occurred between. Uh, a couple of electeds and others. Mm -hmm. um, the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, there still is uh, a great deal of uh, connection between our communities. Um, I've always said when people say that Latinos and African Americans are, are always battling, I say, well, if you lived with us, you'd be battling too. If you lived <laughs> in the kind of poverty yeah. that we live in, that many of our communities live in, uh, you know, the, the, thirst for jobs and economic development, you'd have the same kind of conflicts. And yet, at the same time, you know, I've said this a hundred times, I became speaker in no small part because of Willie Brown. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Herb Wesson will tell you the guy that was most responsible for helping him become speaker was Antonio Villaraigosa. Um, you know, uh, um, Fabian Nunez will tell you that Herb Wesson helped him become speaker. Karen Bass will tell you that uh, Fabian Nunez was the guy that helped her become speaker, and John Pettis will tell you that Karen Bass helped him become speaker. There, this coalition is still strong and alive, uh, but like you say, you know, it, go, it has its ups and downs, yeah. uh, but mostly strong. Yeah. Uh, and it started with Ed Roy Ball, 
uh, on a local level and Tom Bradley citywide. Rafe Sonnenshine, look at my time. We've got about six minutes left, uh, and I want to get uh, more out of you and the mayor here. Let me come back to you, Rafe, because um, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, at, the, at this particular moment, I was back in Indiana where I, where I was raised and grew up, and I went to bed believing, based on the national networks, that Tom Bradley was going to be elected the governor of the state of California. I went to bed with a smile on my face, with tears in my eyes, because this man that I had known was about to become the governor of California. I wake up the next morning to learn that overnight the data pulled, uh, the data uh, suggested that Tom Bradley had lost the election to become governor of this state by less than, not even, by less than one vote per precinct. I was gobsmacked. I was crestfallen. It just ruined my week. Uh, what do you recall about how Tom Bradley almost became the governor of this state after setting, after making history, becoming the first black mayor of L.A.? The, the, almost became the governor of the state when he, uh, 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 after being mayor of, of L.A. Well, this was really the high point of his career. There was talk of him going <laughs> on the Democratic ticket with Walter Mondale. There were um, uh, buttons being put together uh, for Tom Bradley to, to really go all the way as a result of this. It was assumed he would win. I was on my way downtown to the victory party uh, from my house, and when I got there, it was funereal mm. when people saw what had happened. But some of it was that people, once again, were not familiar with him. It was what happened in 1969, so you could make a lot of things stick. As I recall, there was a lot of police opposition to Bradley, in mailings that were going around about L.A. being crime-ridden and it being Tom Bradley's fault. There was a gun control measure on the ballot that got a huge turnout in rural areas, and they voted against Bradley. And some of it probably was people who may not have said everything they really believed when pollsters were talking to them. Right. So the polls were probably... Oh, but it so much reminded me of 69. The difference is... You know, it was a devastating defeat, but he got back to doing the job that he, in many ways, really loved, yeah. which was to be mayor of Los Angeles, wandering the halls with the city budget, buttonholing council members and telling them they had missed something. Mm -hmm. And But it was tragic because yeah. he should have been governor. Yeah. He was ready to be governor. Mayor Villaraigosa, if the high point was that moment where he almost becomes governor of California, the low point had to be the L.A. riots. Um, you sat in that uh, in that office, so you know what it means to run this city through difficult and tumultuous times. How do we look at Tom Bradley through the lens of the L.A. riots? I mean, we can't put the L.A. riots on, on Tom Bradley. We have to put the poverty and racism and the, the, the systemic inequities that have followed the uh, you know 400 years of slavery and all the rest I, I i don't believe that um that tom bradley is to blame obviously he was the leader and you, know, you have to take some responsibility but at the end of the day i think the issue of uh, you know i think the poverty the the, the sense of hopelessness that uh, occurred uh, back then you know i was around my, my first vote by the way that I remember was for Tom Bradley, and I worked on that campaign mm -hmm. in '73. Um, but I don't think you can put that on him. I, you know, he, he took responsibility as we always have to. But yeah. at the end of the day, it had a lot more to do with poverty and oppression and, and police abuse and all the stuff that mixed with that, and, and to turn into a Molotov cocktail. Yeah. Um, finally, here, Mayor Virgosa, what um, what do you think Tom Bradley's legacy is fifty years later? 
uh, beyond beyond Antonio Viragosa and Karen Bass? Well, you know, uh, a, a city that now revels in its diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, with with everything that happened last year, let's be honest. Uh, the city came together. The yeah. city said, "No, we will not tolerate that kind of conversation in this town." Mm-hmm. Um, this is a town that uh, I think um, it revels in its diversity, and and you know, it's not perfect. It's not perfect anywhere in the world, actually, yeah. uh, but it's. It's good. It's a lot better than a lot of other places, and that's why I love this town. And it started with Tom Bradley, yeah. as I said. Uh, and um, from my vantage point, he will always be uh, the guiding light uh, for those of us who believe uh, that a great city has to be a city where we grow together, where we live together, and we revel in the fact that we are different. But the same at the same time, yep. with the same aspirations. Ray Son and Shine, last word to you. Uh, how should we recall forever uh, the life and legacy of Tom Bradley in about 45 seconds? Uh, that nothing is impossible if you stick to it and are determined to carry it out. And also that great achievements that face massive resistance can be overcome. But they're not going to be easily overcome, and they're not going to always be overcome. And it's not to be a Pollyanna but really shining a light in that a great city can only be a successfully diverse city. It can't just be great because of its buildings. It's because of the diversity of its people. Our thanks to Rafe Sonnenschein, Executive Director of the John Randolph Haynes and Dora Haynes Foundation. Rafe, uh, good to have you on. Thanks for your insight, sir. My pleasure. And we are forever uh, grateful and indebted to the former mayor of this city, Antonio Villaragosa. Mayor, good to have you back on. All the best to you, my friend. Thank you, Davis. Good to see you both. Thank you, you, sir. Uh, More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward after news, traffic, and sports on KBLA Talk 1580.